Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. So my name is Jeff Peterson. Some of you I've been able to meet. Uh, My wife and I are honored to be the lead pastors here at Authentic, and I'm constantly blown, blown away by what God is doing in our midst. And uh, like Fawn said, in, uh, in one week we'll be one year old. And uh, it was a wild ride, to say the least, to plant a church in the middle of a pandemic. And you will hear, oh, I, meant, I meant to say that, uh, you, will, you, will, you will hear all about the story uh, next weekend if you, if, you, uh, if you choose to come back. I hope you do. Um, but uh, one of the things, like my wife said, we're passionate about pursuing after the presence of God. Moses said in Exodus 33, he said, the presence of God, that's the only thing that distinguishes us from anybody else. So if your presence isn't going with me, then God, I don't want to go. And so for us, we're passionate about the presence of God. We are in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. It started September 1st, and we're going all the way through the 21st. If you're late to the game, no worries. You can jump right in tomorrow or maybe Tuesday, whenever you're done with your Labor Day celebrations. But you can jump on in whenever you'd like to join us. But we're pressing into the things of God. Uh, You know, in Proverbs, um, uh, where's that? In Proverbs 29, verse 2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. So there are a few things that we are praying for in this season. There's some prayer points uh, that we're going to put up here for you guys. Uh, We're praying for a spiritual awakening in Orange County. I don't care who's in office, if there's a spiritual awakening in Orange County, this place will not be the same. The other thing that we're praying for is salvations and baptisms, okay? We wanna see a move of God and have lives transformed. I'm not here to show up and have just another church service. That's not why God moved my family from Texas to Orange County, okay? Yes, we did the opposite move, it was crazy. Uh, But we're here to see a move of God. Another thing you can pray for is on September 14th, we're praying for voter integrity. And so... So I really want to encourage you, do your homework. Do your due diligence. There's a lot of sneaky little things that they're trying to put into some different laws that would really, really inhibit and prohibit your freedoms. Um, I, myself, just, just flat out... Um, I, I just want everybody to know I'm not against vaccines, but I am, I, I am against the government that's enforcing freedoms for somebody to choose whether or not to be vaccinated. And, uh, and there's certain bills that are coming out where they purposely want to stop you from traveling city to city and around the area here because you have not or you have been vaccinated. And it's just the, once you give up some freedoms, I'm just looking communism, do some world history research on your own. Uh, you just never get those back, okay? So it's really, really important. You know what's going in some of those bills. So we're praying for that. We're praying for economic prosperity in Orange County. We want that orange curtain to be there. <laughs> we're praying for blessing. There's a lot of people that are looking for work, um, that are looking for pay raises, et cetera. There's people that have businesses that they launched in the middle of a really difficult season. We're praying supernatural blessing on them that is so great that you can't take credit for it, that it's only God who gets the credit. Amen. Uh, We're praying that Orange County remains open. We don't want it to close, including Vanguard. We want this place to stay open. And we're praying for divine health protection uh, on our health and also for miraculous healings. We have people that are battling some stuff. 
uh, in the congregation. We have one gal that's been battling cancer, and she, uh, we prayed for her on Wednesday night, uh, which how many were here for Wednesday night? That was just awesome. Um, I know some of, we, we had a, a prayer and worship time the first Wednesday of every month. We have an extended few hours of prayer and worship. And, uh, and it just goes and goes. Well, this past Wednesday, we had a bunch of people that wanted to get baptized. So praise God, we had the baptismal that was filled up. So that was awesome. We had families that were here literally until 10, 10.30 at night. Uh, and, then, and then the final group, uh, find, they finally left after midnight. They had Stephanie and the crew from Vanguard, they helped me put away all of the stuff and I was really grateful that they were still here when I was here so that they could help me put it all away. But it went until midnight, and it was incredible um, uh, what, what God did and what God is doing. Uh, you know, in First Chronicles chapter 12, there's a group of Israelites uh, who understood the times that they lived in. They knew what to do. It says in First Chronicles 12, 32, that from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders from their tribe, and they understood the signs of the times, and they knew the best course of action to take. And you, you, can't, you can't do what you're supposed to do if you don't know, and you can't know what you're supposed to do unless you look at it through a biblical lens and see what God's doing. So today, I have a message that I feel the Lord has put on my heart to share with us, and it's called Appointed Times. And you know, throughout the Bible, there's appointed times and there's appointed seasons. And I believe that we're here for an appointed time. I believe you're here today for an appointed time, that it's no accident, Anna, that you walked into church today, you're here for an appointed time. It's no accident that we've gathered together at this place, this is an appointed time. And um, if you've been following the news, there's a lot of things that are happening in the world, changes I feel like by the second, um, that points to the fact that we could, I'm just putting this out there, you could be living in the last days. The Bible talks about this, okay? And, um, and, and God gave Israel seven feasts, and these feasts are a prophetic grid of the future. There was four feasts in the springtime, which have already passed, and there's three feasts in the fall, which we're about to come into. Um, and, it, and it's a prophetic grid, and, and we're gonna unpack this a little bit today. It's Leviticus 23, verse two, I'll be reading this out of the New King James Version. The Lord said to Moses, he said, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. These are the feasts of the Lord. So a feast is an appointed festival. A convocation would be a public meeting or also kind of a, a, it was known as like a dress rehearsal if you looked it up and really looked at the, the meaning of the word. Uh, my brother Hem is back there from Israel and he can confirm this stuff and, and feel free to correct me on anything too. So there's seven feasts that God gives. He gives as a download uh, to the children of Israel. Now the children of Israel, he set them up to be an example to the world of how you should live, how you should raise your kids, how you should take care of people when they're sick. Um, he, he outlined all these things, and in Leviticus, he shares this. And he, he begins to outline these seven feasts, and I want to encourage us to look at it. Again, we're looking at what's happening in the world. We're looking at the signs of the times. We're looking at it through a biblical lens, saying, Lord, what are you doing? Okay, so here's, here's the seven feasts. There was the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost, 
the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, okay? So feast number one was Passover. Passover, most people are familiar with. Jesus was crucified on Passover, okay? What would happen in the Jewish families in its remembrance of what God did for the children of Israel when he led them out of Egypt, like that song, that awesome song that we sang this morning, God led the children out of Egypt before he did. The great, the final last plague was uh, the, 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 the death blow to sin, and that was the Passover. And so what would happen is the Jewish, the Israelite family, they would go and they would get a, a spotless lamb and they would, they would kill it, and then they would take that blood and they would put it over the doorposts of their home. And then the angel of death would pass over them and it was, it was basically a plague of the firstborn, firstborn males in families and then also animals. And so if you did this over your home, you would be saved. So Jesus <laughs> fulfilled Passover. The next feast was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was a seven-day feast that began the day right after Passover. Okay, so why does this matter? Seven is the number of perfection in leaven represents sin. So you wouldn't be able to bake with any leaven, or excuse me, with any, without, with any, any yeast. It would have to be unleavened in, in the bread. And it represented how the Israelites had to hurry up and gather their stuff and then leave. Because after the death of the firstborn, there was so much mourning and chaos in Egypt, they were like, just get out of here. And so it represented the haste that the children had to go through. Well, Jesus was buried on that feast. He was he was he perfectly removed sin from the human race. He was buried on that feast and resurrected on the next feast, which is uh, the feast of the first fruits. In fact, John uh, 6:35 and John 6:35, Jesus said, "I am I'm the bread of life." In the feast of first fruits, uh, on that the priests would um, they would wave barley for the barley harvest. And they would wave that as an offering to God. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, Paul refers to Jesus as the first fruits. Okay, so Jesus died on Passover. He was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. A few days later, on the Feast of First Fruits, he was resurrected. Okay, that's no accident. Like, this really happened. I'm sharing with you biblical world history right now. This really, really happened. So the question is, why? Of all days, Jesus could have died, why that day? Because it was Passover, because for a thou over a thousand years, 1600 years, people had been practicing the aspect of celebrating Passover. So God's saying, knock, 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 look up and see what I'm doing. This man whom you crucified is Jesus, he's the Messiah. So God's trying to give them an understanding, it's a dress rehearsal for what was to come, okay? So Passover, he's the sacrificial lamb. Unleavened bread, he's buried, and he perfectly removes sin. First fruits, Jesus rose again as the first fruits offering. Then 50 days after that is the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost. Now, for the Jewish people, the number 50 is a special number uh, because it was also significant of the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, debts got wiped out, totally fully forgiven, slaves got set free, and you got back what was lost. Does that sound familiar to what happens when somebody comes to Jesus, all right? And so you have 50 days after, you'd have uh, the Feast of Weeks. In Acts chapter one, uh, it, it tells a story. Jesus said, hey, wait here, I have a gift for you, okay? 
And what happens is when Jesus went to the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit was released into the lives of the believers and the church was born on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit could have been poured out. That event could have happened any day in history. But when did it happen? It happened at that feast. Why? Because it's part of a prophetic grid that God is showing everybody, this is a dress rehearsal, this is what I'm doing, I don't want you to be surprised. They had no idea, they're walking along, living their life, they didn't even think, Jesus, oh, Passover lamb, oh, now we get it, and he's telling them the whole time, right? And so on that day, the church is born and the harvest begins, right? That was, that was, the, that, that was the, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. The harvest begins and 3,000 were added. So out of the seven feasts, there's four in the springtime, three in the fall. Out of the seven feasts, four have already been fulfilled. Tracking with me? Okay. So I want to encourage us, again, look at this. And I encourage you through a prophetic grid and say, Lord, what are you doing? What would be the next thing you would do? And this leads up to the fifth feast, the Feast of Trumpets. Leviticus 23, verse 24, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So what would happen? So thank you, babe. So this is a shofar. I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to blow this here for you. (laughs) But uh, uh, this is, uh, you know, we read about trumpets in the Bible. They were not the cool brass trumpets that you, you know, you, you see now in stores. This, this was their version of the trumpet back in that day, a ram's horn. And they would blow, they, the priests would blow the shofar. Uh, in fact, they would blow it nine times, and they would do that for ten different days. In the last one, they would bl- blow a loud, loud, a loud blast, and that shout would go forth, and it would signify, hey, this is... This is the, the Feast of Trumpets and, and what we would know now as Rosh Hashanah. And I'm gonna, we're going to unpack, we're going to kind of camp out on that here today. Uh, so I want to pray for us as we lean into some of the stuff. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what your eschatology is, your theological background, or you have no theological background and you showed up here and none of this stuff makes sense to you, I'm hoping that by the end of our time together, some of it will make sense. So let's pray and then we'll dive into some of this today. God, we thank you for your word. God, it's life. God, nobody came here to hear me speak. We came here to hear you speak. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak. We're listening. We're leaning into you. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see something we never saw before. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds to understand. Give us hearts that believe, filled with faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So you would have the the Feast of the Trumpets, uh, and then just going on, even though we're not going to camp out on there, after the Feast of Trumpets, you would have the Day of Atonement, uh, and then you'd have the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Tabernacles, and I'll go into a, a little bit of that, but we're primarily going to be camping out on the Feast of Trumpets here today. So the Feast of Trumpets, uh, it's also commonly referred to as Rosh Hashanah, and, and, and it's, it, it's the start of the Jewish New Year. You know, in, in the Jewish of faith, they have the Mishnah. The Mishnah, very simply put, it's oral traditions that they actually wrote down. Okay, and so in the Mishnah, they actually have a lot of different um, uh, terms for, um, for the Feast of Trumpets. They would call it Rosh Hashanah, and we'll unpack that today. There's a few different names that they call it. No different than we have different names for some of our holidays. 
And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 through 52, again, we're looking at the Feast of Trumpets right here today. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What is this talking about? This is talking about a term in theology that's known as the rapture. Uh, some ask, is the rapture the same as the second coming? And no, it's not. There's the rapture and then there's the second coming. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about that, but this isn't necessarily like an end times in-depth study, okay? So I'm not gonna go all in-depth for, for those theologians in the room that wanna go super deep on eschatology. We're not gonna do that today. I'm just gonna give some highlights heading into the Feast of Trumpets, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So that was the first fruits, right? Then we have Pentecost. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, the Lord himself, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, with that blessed blast, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So Rosh Hashanah, it actually literally means the head of the year. So for the Jewish people, Rosh Hashanah is the start of the new year. And, um, and, and so they would blow a trumpet, and that would signify, hey, it's the start of a new year, it's the start of a new season, and they would come to a time of rest, the work is finished. And so Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. Right now, according to the Jewish calendar, okay, not America's calendar, uh, not your calendar, my calendar, California time, according to the Jewish calendar, we're in year 5,781, okay? This next year, we transition into 5,782, and the Feast of the Trumpets, the next feast in the prophetic grid that has yet to be fulfilled, starts September the 6th, tomorrow. And, and, and it goes for two days. And so, uh, and we're going to unpack a little bit why that is and what that means. Um, but trumpets is a new season. It's a new beginning. The rapture is a new beginning. So Rosh Hashanah, that's what it, that's what it means. Another, another term for the Feast of Trumpets is Yom Teruah, the day of awakening blasts. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, for the Lord himself will, will descend. And I want to read this and hit home with this. And there's, with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. It's known as the day of the awakening blast. And that's exactly what's going to happen at the, happen at the time of the rapture. The, the dead in Christ will rise first. Another term for the, the Feast of Trumpets is Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 13 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first from the last. The day of trumpets is going to be a day that Jesus judges the church. He says, I'm coming, my reward is with me. As I was praying um, this morning, because this is kind of heavy. This is kind of a heavy talk, and, and for some people, um, it can stir up a lot of fear. From other, for other people, they're kind of like, 
you know, kind of hair blown back like this is bizarre. Uh, for other people, for the Christian, honestly, it should be a time of excitement. This is a celebration. The Feast of Trumpets is an exciting time for us, okay? It's not an exciting time for those that do not have a relationship with Jesus. It's not a very exciting time. But for the church, it's a very exciting time. And so I, this morning, I wake up early on Sunday mornings, and I have a, a really good amount of prayer, just, just my time with God. I'm not praying for the message. I'm not praying about worship and what's going on. I just try to have time with God. And as I'm having time with God, then slowly he would transition me into the word. And, 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 I, and I, I'm like, okay. And, and so he, he said, let them know. I'm for them, and I am coming for them. And, and that's, that obviously is seen very evidently in God's word. But for somebody here, that might be just the word that you needed today, that God is for you, and he is coming for you. You know, Noah looked like an idiot until it started to rain. Sometimes Christians, you could be living for Christ, and maybe your family member is persecuting you, Maybe you're having some issues with them or friends or what have you, and, and your life and coming to church on a Sunday morning, and they're like, you look crazy. Believing the Bible and taking God at his word, you're nuts until the rain starts. And then you get smarter by the minute, <laughs> okay? This is a good word for us. Another term for the Feast of Trumpets was Yom Hazikaron. And I'm doing my best to say it right because my brother from Israel is in the back and God forbid I butcher one of these awesome words in Hebrew. Yom Hazikaron. And it's the day of remembrance. Rosh Hashanah is also sometimes called the day of remembrance. And during this feast, the Jews pray that God would remember them during the coming year. And it reminds me of Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in, in bed. There will be two men in one bed, and the one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and one will be left. What's this showing? It's showing that God remembers those who have believed and put their hope and their faith in him. Um, and some would say, well, that seems pretty selective, well, yeah, because God's given us a prophetic grid and given Passover as an example that everybody could look to that Jesus was coming. And then, and then he was buried on unleavened Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then he rose on the Feast of First Fruits. So, yes, if people still were hard-hearted and chose not to put their faith in Jesus, then you're right. But there's still hope for them. And another term for the Feast of Trumpets, which I love this one. They actually call it the wedding day of the Messiah. Again, this is coming from the Mishnah, um, which, you know, part of my job as a pastor is to go do the hard yards and a lot of homework and then hopefully serve up a, a, well, a well-served steak on a Sunday morning, right? And so, but you can go if you'd like to. You can go and buy the Mishnah and you could read through it yourself and you can see some of these things. Uh, but it, they also refer to it as the wedding day of the Messiah, John 14, 2 through 4. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
Okay, let me unpack this a little bit. This is Jewish wedding language, okay? So when a Jewish groom is going to marry his bride, he would leave his father's house with a bride price or a dowry, and then he went to the bride's house to give her parents that gift. And, and tradition would be he would drink a glass of wine with them, and that would seal the betrothal, okay? Then he would promise his bride that I will not drink of that glass again, until I would drink it with you in my father's house. And that's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. In Luke 22, 17 through 18, then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it amongst yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So that's wedding language. So after paying the price, the bride price, and making that promise, the groom left and he went to the father's house and he would, he would build a hopa. And that was where him and his wife were now going to live. So he would take time in building it and decorating it. And a lot of times that would be about a one-year process, okay? So he would decorate it, but he could not go get his bride until his dad said, it's ready. I'm telling you, church, get ready. Get ready. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride of Christ. He has bought his bride by paying the price for our sins, and he is at his father's house preparing a place for you and for me. And at the rapture, it will mark Christ's return for his bride, and that is why it's known as the wedding day of the Messiah. Again, the Jewish people, they celebrate all these and some of them have been blinded. They still can't see Jesus fulfilled all of this, that he's the Messiah. But we see it. Another day, uh, and I found this one kind of funny, but then as I did more research, uh, it totally makes sense. It's the day which no one knows. <laughs> and I read that, I'm like, the day which no one knows? Then how do they know when to blow the trumpet? The day which no one knows. What, what does that even mean? And, and it's a reason that this, uh, this, this holy day, the Feast of Trumpets, it actually spans two days. Why is that? Well, in the ancient Jewish calendar, it was a lunar calendar based on the cycles of the moon back before people understood the movements of the planets and the cycles of the solar system, right? And all the other Jewish holidays were timed to occur on the full moon. But Rosh Hashanah, it fell during the new moon. It was the first of the month at the beginning of a new year. So on September 6th, in seventh, there's a new moon cycle. That's going to happen. And there's going to be an appearance of the moon. You can go and look this up. There's going to be a new moon that's starting. And they would have to have multiple witnesses that would see the little sliver of silver coming out of the moon. And they'd say, yep, all right, it's time to start. So that's why it always spread over two days. They didn't know the exact day or the time, if you're tracking with me. They didn't know the exact day or the time, but they knew it was going to be somewhere in this season because it fell somewhere around this time because there was a new moon that was coming. It's easy to tell when the moon is full uh, and when it's nice and thick. It's hard to tell when you can just see a sliver. And so that's why Jesus refers many times to keep awake, keep watch, right? There's a lot of that verbiage that he used. So the Jews knew that the siding of, of the new moon would take place within a two-day window. Um, and Jesus describes what's going to happen in Mark 
uh, 13, verse 32 through 33. And he says this, he says, but on that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when that time is. So somebody could say, well, the rapture could happen over the Feast of Trumpets, and we could still follow this scripture that says, I still don't know the hour, or I don't know the day or the exact hour. And that could be totally fulfilled and correct by saying that the Lord could come on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, is Jesus coming back at the Feast of Trumpets this week? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Nobody knows, right? Do I believe that he could come back? Oh, absolutely. Based on what we're reading here today, based on what we're seeing in the scriptures, it's pretty plain. Based on looking at the prophetic grid that God laid out when he said, hey, I want you to observe these seven feasts. And I want it to be an example to the entire world, these convocations. This is, this is dress rehearsal, people. I want you to take a look at this. So when you look through the prophetic timeline, the grid that God's given humanity, Passover was fulfilled, check, done, right? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, check, fulfilled, done. First fruits, check, done. Jesus was our first fruits. The Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, check, done. The next feast in that prophetic timeline would be the Feast of Trumpets. So Rosh Hashanah, so it's coming. So the dates of this is September 6th through the 8th. Now. Um, we don't follow, God doesn't follow California time. I wish he did. In fact, I wish he followed Jeff time. <laughs> but he doesn't, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so when, does, when would Rosh Hashanah start? It starts at about 9 a.m. tomorrow for us. So all I'm, uh, all I'm encouraging you to do is if you don't know where you stand on a day when a trumpet would blast and the rapture would happen, and the, those that are believers in Christ would rise, if you don't know where you'd stand, I would encourage you. If you're still kind of skeptical of Christianity, that's totally cool. Christianity is not a religion where you check your brain at the door, okay? It's not some emotional high. It's experiential, for sure. It's miraculous, for sure. But if you go and you do your homework, and the more you dig, the more that you find, wow, this is actually real and it'll blow your mind. I was talking to somebody that came to our worship night on Wednesday night, and uh, it was a student here, and, and she had mentioned how she really feels God when she's out in nature. And, and I'm like, man, me too, you know? Uh, or woman, me too. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, I do too. When I'm out in the waves, and I took my family on a hike down in, in Laguna, down at Victoria Beach, and it's beautiful, and the rocks and the waves are crashing, and Man, I just feel God when I'm out there, especially when I'm with my wife and my kids. It's just awesome, you know? When I go up into the mountains, I love going up to Big Bear and smelling that high mountain pine and everything else, and I do feel God. Some people experience God when they're totally neck deep in the scriptures and they got books upon books and, and notes upon notes, and they experience God most that way. I just want to encourage you, whatever it looks like for you to encounter God, like Pastor Fawn said earlier today, we're all about gathering and having a corporate encounter with God, but the goal is that it leads to personal encounters with God all throughout the week. So the seven feasts, so again, going back to this, so Jesus fulfilled four of the seven, the next up 
would be the Feast of Trumpets, according to the prophetic grid and, and based on what I plainly uh, see in Scripture. So when it comes to eschatology and the study of end times, there's kind of two dynamics that are at play. And so I want to I highlight a few of these, and then we're going to kind of, uh, we're, we're going to end this morning, and we're going to have a few questions for you. Um, but two elements that you see in play is what Jesus outlines in Matthew 24, verse 12 through 14. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So wickedness will grow stronger. Anybody take a look at the news and you could think maybe possibly over the last five years, 10 years, 10 minutes, wickedness has grown stronger in the world. I mean, it's heating up, right? So you have those two dynamics. But here's the other dynamic. People are gonna be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Do you know, despite all the craziness going on in the world, there is people coming to Christ in droves every single day. It's insane. Even what's going on uh, with Afghanistan and the underground church over there, there's reports of people getting saved, people having visitations of Jesus showing up in their lives, and they're like, we need to find a Christian. I remember that one person who took off running into the hills as a Christian and going and trying to find them and meet up and joining. There's one congregation alone that grew from, I think, like 30 or 40, babe, to 2,500 in the last week. Okay, so people are getting saved at an alarming rate. In fact, out of the, what is it, 196, 95, kind of 96 recognized countries in the world, um, Christianity is the fastest growing religion in all but 20. All but 20. Christianity is the fastest growing religion. By the way, America is one of those 20, so we got some work to do. That's why I'm hoping the trumpet's not going to blow, okay? <laughs> My daughters are like, Dad, don't talk about this. I want to be married. I want to have kids one day and everything. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I don't want you bringing home any guy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Juju's in here. Luke 21, verse 28. When these things begin to take place, what do you do? Stand up. Church, Christians, we need to take a stand now more than ever before. Take a stand. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus said in John 14, don't let all this news trouble you. Be encouraged. He said in uh, John 14, verse 1 through 6, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house, it's got many rooms. Got more than enough room for all y'all, okay? If that were not so, I would have told you, I would, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me and you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas says to him, I appreciate Thomas's honesty. Peter and Thomas, those are some of my two favorite dudes because I feel like they say and do stuff that I probably would have said and done, okay? Thomas is like, uh, hey, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like, you think you're in, Jesus is like, come on, man. I've been telling you guys, come on. I've been telling you what's gonna happen. He said, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered. He said, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. John 12, 27. So what do we do? My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? There's a lot of Christians that have prayed that prayer recently. Father, save me from this hour. <laughs> Deliver me now, Lord. <laughs> right? Jesus said, no, don't pray that prayer. Pray this one. It's for this very reason I came to this hour. For this very reason, you were born in the season that you're in for this hour. There's an appointed time. There is a reason why you're sitting here in church and it's 80 degrees and beautiful and sunny at every beach in Southern California that's crowded with everybody from L.A., okay? Because they love our beaches more than theirs. <laughs> there's a reason. There is a point in time. There's an hour. There's a reason why you're born. There's a reason why you're married to the person you're married with. Don't pray that prayer, Lord, deliver me. <laughs> no, Stay with them. There's a reason why you're a student here on the university. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There's a reason why you work where you work. There's people that need to know the love of Jesus Christ, and he has raised you up and sent you there for this hour. Come on. Church, we were made for this. We were made for this. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close today. You were made for this time. You were made for this time. Come on, authentic church. You were birthed a year ago <laughs> for times like these. Mama said there'd be days like these, Mama said. <laughs> you were made for this. You're gonna make it. I hope that the word today encourages you. But if the word today frightens you, I got good news for you still in today's message. You can have a relationship with Jesus, and right now you can change your eternity. Right now in a moment, your eternal destiny can be forever changed, just as it was changed in my life, just as it was changed in my wife's life, and just as it was changed the lives of so many people that are sitting around you in this moment. This is real. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't Marvel, okay? This is actually really going to happen. At some point in our life, I believe it'll happen in our lifetime. Why? Because... Jewish was formed as a recognized state and a nation, and then there's a lot that's happened since then. We'll do a more in-depth study on end times at some point, hopefully this year. But the fact that it could happen is very real. The prophetic grid's been laid out. The first four feasts have already been fulfilled. The next one up to be fulfilled would be the Feast of Trumpets. If that trumpet blows, where do you stand? If you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're like, I don't know, I think I do, then you don't, okay? I'm just telling you, you don't. It's like somebody says, I think I'm married. No, 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 I, I know I'm married. I know I'm married. And I get to climb in bed with her every single night. I know I'm married, okay? You'll know if you have a relationship with Jesus. If you're, if you're here and you're wondering today, God, I think I do, but I don't really know. You better solidify it today. I want to encourage you to solidify. I'm not trying to talk you into anything, but I want to prayerfully encourage you, lean into that feeling that you have in your gut that's saying, I feel like I need to dedicate my life to Jesus. I need to go all in for Jesus. We're going to have a moment today of, of communion. And it's a time of reflection. It's a time of celebration. 
And um, the scripture out of 1 Corinthians, it says this. My slide. There it goes. Sometimes you just need to snap your fingers. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though we're many here in this room, we are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. We're going to have a time of communion. And just like Jesus prepared his disciples, like the bridegroom that had a moment and then went away to go prepare a place for her to come back and get her. And he said, I'm not going to drink this again until. Jesus said, when you do this, when you take communion, you don't do it for religious reasons. You don't do it because that's what we, I was raised Catholic. We would do this every single week. You don't do it just because. No, no, no. You, you do it and you remember what he did for you. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to do this a little bit differently than we normally do on Sunday mornings where we have a mass uh, call for salvation. I'm just going to have you search your heart this morning. Jesus, would you search our hearts this morning? Is there anything inside of us that's not right that we need to get right? God, search us. You know us. You know every fiber of our beings, God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just encourage you, pray this prayer under, under your breath. Pray it from your heart. Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to come into my life now. God, I, I want to have a relationship with you. And I don't know where we stand, but I, I, I want to have a relationship with you. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Savior of the world. I believe you're the Messiah. So forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. Baptize me and fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. God, I, I don't want my life to ever be the same again. I want to go all in for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you just... Just for me, and everybody else, just keep your eyes closed if you don't mind. But just for me, if you just raise your hand, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're maybe rededicating your life to Jesus and you prayed that, just raise your hand. I just want to know who to pray for at the end of service. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus never called us to pray a prayer and just be saved <laughs> and to join, you know, be part of a, movement in Christianity. He called us to repent and to be baptized. So I want to encourage you to reflect on that as we're going to have some baptisms at the end of service today. But if you accepted Christ and if you would call yourself a believer in here today, we want to have a time of reflection and communion. And so I'm going to ask Juju to sing us in a, another chorus of that worship song we sang earlier. And I just want to encourage you do business with God. Do business with God. When you take that bread and you take that cup, remember what Jesus did for you. He loves you. And he's here today.
For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.